Brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Make the most of your life. When you remove the blocks that are holding you back, you can bring inspiration, passion, and purpose to yourself and those around you. This is the Hoffman Connection with your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McClune. Our hosts and their guests will give you the tools that you need to improve yourself by bringing you closer to what really matters. Now, here's your host. Hello, this is Raz and Grossi. Welcome to the Hoffman Connection. We're streaming live from beautiful Northern California. It's a gorgeous day here. And uh, I'm a Hoffman teacher, a husband, father, president emeritus of the Hoffman Institute. And uh, if you've never heard of the Hoffman Institute, we're celebrating this year 45 years as a leading personal development program worldwide uh, for people who are serious about change. We're in 11 countries, 16 sites around the planet of ours. And uh, we've helped about 85,000 people worldwide with a profound level of change. You can go on our website, www.hoffmaninstitute.org. There you'll find everything, scientific research, testimonials, and so on. It's a The Hoffman Process, our flagship program, is an amazing eight-day retreat of profound personal development and discovery. My co-host is Ed McClune. I'm not sure if he's quite with us yet because uh, they were having a little technical difficulty at the station connecting him up, but I'm sure he'll be joining us in a minute. And um, and we'll introduce him when he comes along. But main, mainly right now, I wanted to uh, tell you that our goal here with the Hoffman Connection is to bring inspiration, education, and tools to help you connect more deeply with your own life, a life that you love. And the Hoffman process is offered regularly, about every two weeks. And we have a um, beautiful 45-acre retreat site up in the Napa Valley, we also do the program in Connecticut at a wonderful retreat site out there. And so um, please join us in one of our programs. And right after today's program, by the way, this radio program we're on right now, you can go to the Hoffman Institute. Just call our number, 800, or just call 415-485-5220, 415-485-5220. And there is a wonderful Q&A there with our CEO about the uh, and some teachers about the Hoffman process. But now I want to introduce to you a, a man I'm privileged to call my friend. Uh, he's an author of a terrific book called Dancing on the River, Navigating Life's Changes. And Mark Susno is a former trial attorney. He had a very distinguished career for 30 years. His career has been reported and covered in the New York Times, Rolling Stone magazine, the Boston Globe, San Francisco Chronicle, you name it. And uh, about, I don't know, about right around 2000, uh, right around the new millennium, Mike uh, Mark decided to leave his law firm, to leave his career behind. And he has since become a cutting-edge thought leader. Really, what I saw happening for Mark 
because I knew him back then, was that he understood that he could sort people's big problems out at the level of, you know, the legal system. But he was much more interested in the wisdom that he had developed over all these years about keeping people out of the legal system. And um, that he did a lot of work on himself, did more coaching work. Mark has done probably every human potential program that's ever been invented. And uh, the most important thing is he found out how to coach people and has become a terrific executive coach with a lot of leading executives around the country in his uh, practice. Mark is very passionate about life being an exciting journey of discovery. He survived a near-death experience when he was 13 years old, and he gives inspiring keynote addresses on change, leadership, and connection. And believe me, he has earned every bit of his wisdom, not only through his law practice, but through his own life and the challenges and difficulties he's had to face. But he's the author, as I said, of Dancing on the River, and today, Mark's going to talk to us about navigating the swifter waters of change. And I want to welcome him uh, here. Also, I want to ask, Ed, are you on the line yet? Yeah, I'm, I am in, Raz. We've got whatever right. glitch was slowing things down. Yeah, okay. Well, I introduce Mark, and um, we'll just get started with Mark then. And uh, Mark, welcome. Well, thank you, Raz. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this show, and um, I'm excited. Nice Good. to be here with you, Mark, too. Thank you. And- Mark, when you were, uh, as I said in the introduction, about 13 years old, you had a death experience uh, while rafting on the Green River in Colorado. And somehow, 50 years later, that turns into, or 40 years later, whatever it is, turns into dancing on the river. So how did you get from there to here? Well, the experience that I had on the river Years later, when I reflect upon it, I realize that everything on that river that happened, the uncertainty, how quickly things change, was really a model for all of our lives. And let me briefly tell you about that experience. I was rafting on a rafting trip that my Uncle Sam took me on, and I was swimming alongside the raft when all of a sudden I, I sensed that the current was picking up, and I didn't know if I could get back on the river. And all of a sudden, there were yells of, getting back, get back on the boat, get back on the boat. And I swam at an angle, trying to get ahead of the boat. And there was a point in time when I realized that I wasn't going to be able to get back on the boat. And I let go. And just as I let go, there were more yells, stay in the center, stay in the center. And that's what I tried to do as, as the current swirled me around. I tried to keep my feet up. And the next thing I knew, I was on the other side of the rapids, and there was calmness. And I started to relax until I looked around, and I noticed that the boat was still ahead of me. And at that moment, my uncle extended an oar. I reached for it, and I was pulled onto the boat. And the, the journey continued. We made camp. And that experience, there was something my uncle said to me on the plane ride home. He said, this is something you're going to think about later in life. And he was exactly right. And it wasn't until many years later that I thought about that experience. And that's pretty much how we we got to this point. Yeah, you're there in the river, Mark. Um, You know, absolute uncertainty in an environment over which you had no control. And uh, I think 
a lot of people find themselves right now feeling similarly just being in life. And I like the metaphor of dancing on the river because, uh, you know, in Hoffman we talk about being on the river of life. But uh, people are struggling now. Some people losing their jobs, uh, you know, all kinds of difficulties and issues in the world and uh, macro issues too, you know, like the just the whole global economy and the national economy. And, and this is affecting everyone's life. And uh, tell us a little bit how your experience on the river and that the uncertainty of being thrust into a completely new environment and out of control, how can it help people today? Because everyone wants, is striving for some certainty, but you're talking about surrendering to something also. So yes. could you comment on that? And I, and I, and I think the, the illusion that we all have is that someday, we, we think someday I won't have any problems. Someday I won't have any issues in my relationship. Someday I'll have the perfect job. I'll love everybody I work with. I'll love my work. I'll make all the money I want. And what happens is that it just doesn't work that way. There are always challenges that we have. And once we let go of that idea that there's going to be a perfect scenario and that, and that where everything is certain, unless we get to that point where we let go of that idea, we're, we're going to have anxiety all the time. And I, and I think that's really what I talk about in my book, Dancing on the River, is that very last thing I heard on the river before I went through the rapids was stay in the center. And unless we find that center inside ourselves and every day go to that place, life is just going to swirl us around. Now, Mark, we, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to say that I've, um, you've been, you, I know you go to the center every day. You, you, you've been meditating for how many years? Forty years. And you meditate every day or nearly every, every day? Every day. I mean, maybe in a year I'll miss five days. But I started meditating when I was a young trial lawyer. And I got up early, I meditated, and before I went to court, I already meditated for 20 minutes. Fantastic. And and then I also know that you have participated in, as far as I can tell, every human potential thing that's come down the pike. So you really are dedicated. I've been up, it's up there. <laughs> <laughs> Including and, uh, the Hoffman process. I did that, too, and thanks to your encouragement and and thought it was a great experience, and which we can talk about a little bit later. But I, I'm, I just feel that we have to keep realizing there's more to life than we're experiencing in the moment. And when we start to go inside and start to find our center, we start to experience this greater picture of life, this, this big, big picture, this great mystery, and allow, and allow ourselves to flow with what is. And as I said, learn to, to navigate the swifter currents of life and to be comfortable swimming in the deeper waters. So we're willing to take on bigger challenges. And, we're and willing to have relationships that we never thought we could have. We're wi- willing to experience abundance that we never thought was possible. And you're willing to, ex- to embrace greater mysteries of life. Yeah. Yes, life is a big mystery, and, and, and we have to start to see the discovery of that mystery as an adventure rather than something to fear. So we, we have to start to be comfortable with, with discovering this big mystery with what is, what's going to happen, and, and realize that that makes life more interesting. If we knew exactly what was going to happen every minute, we'd be bored. <laughs> we well, would. I'll, 
We're going to have to break in here just for a minute, Mark, and uh, take our first break of the show. We're here with Mark Sosno on the Hoffman Connection. And um, I do want to let people know that the Hoffman Institute has a promotion on our Inner Work for Leaders course, if you want to learn more about that course, hoffmaninstitute.org. And if you'd like to chime in with our conversation with Mark, ask a question of him, we'd Welcome all of your input here on the Hoffman Connection this afternoon. The number is 866-472-5788, 866-472-5788, and we will be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. Ed is with us now, and uh, Ed, I would like it if you could talk with Mark a little bit, and I know you had some questions you want to ask. Well, yeah, I've got a whole bunch of questions, Mark, but maybe the starting point is if you just um, if share with our audience any personal experiences that you've had as far as, well, that helped shape you into um, all your wisdom and learning that you're sharing through your book and through your keynotes, et cetera. Well, I, I think when things happen to you, especially as a child, that you know, you, you don't really understand the impact that they have on you until maybe much, much later in life. And I, and I think I started to understand that when I did, I did the, the process. But my father died when I was six years old. And, and it, it, you just, you just, a six year old just can't understand something like that. And you start to wonder about, you start to think that life isn't fair. So that's something that, 
you know, as a, as a child. You know, I started to think life isn't fair. And I think that had something to do with my early career as a lawyer, why I wanted to defend people that I felt were falsely accused because I felt that life wasn't fair. And I wanted to, let's say, right the injustice of society. And then when I was 10, I was sent away to military school when I was 10 and 11. I mean, here I was. My father died when I was 6. I'm sent away when I'm 10 and 11. And that was traumatic. So I had these traumatic experiences. And what happens is you learn to be self-reliant. You learn how to be self-reliant and and to start to develop a tenacity that helps you get through a lot of the ups and downs in life. So in a lot of ways, I think that experience that I had, and then it was three years later that I was on the, I was on the river, but I had learned to be independent, and I think that today that ability to go inward, right, that ability to go inward and to and to find that center, which is, by the way, the first of these eight principles of navigating change, and, learn, and then learning to be grateful. I think when I really started to understand gratitude, that was a huge shift in my life, was understanding how grateful I am for the life that I have. No matter what it is, that there's a lot of goodness, a lot of beauty. And I'm, I feel very blessed. And even these experiences at the time that were traumatic in retrospect have given me an understanding that I don't think I would have had today. And the thing that I'm really strong about is that in life there's a lot of pain that we experience and we really can't avoid it. We sometimes have an illusion that we can avoid it. But what happens is when we go through these experiences, it also allows us to have a deeper level of joy and allows us to experience joy on a much deeper level. And and that's that's really my experience is that I, I feel that my ability to to experience joy just keeps expanding to where each day I'm looking forward. I'm curious about what the highlight of my day is going to be, which is the third principle of, of um, navigating life changes. So, Mark, what, what shaped you, in, or one of the results of what shaped you in childhood is a kind of self-reliance or that you could, you know, you learned to make things happen on your own. And But also you're saying, you know, one of the lessons of the river is to let go and, and let the river take you so where's the the balance in there i think between ambition for a leader for a person setting out initiative versus the sort of spiritual side of what you're saying of um surrendering that's a that's a that's a real good question um i think one of the things that we need to do is we we need to have an intention we need to have goals where we're going a focus but also the willingness to to step away from it, to allow it to evolve on its own, but we give it direction. So it's a matter of giving this intention guidance, but to also trust that with the proper guidance, it will go where we need to, we it needs to go. But it is that's the, the, the dance. That is the dance. That is what when I talk about dancing on the river. That is a dance we do every day. We put energy out. We step back and realize that's all we can do, and uh, we have to allow what's going to happen to happen. But it's to have faith that, it, that it's going to work out. And I've, I've learned to, even though things have happened in my life that are horrific, I still have a lot of faith that, that, that you know, things are going to work out. 
And, I, and in the meanwhile, my ability, as I said before, to love and to feel joy just keeps getting greater. And, and I, every day, I, I feel I, when I wake up, I feel blessed. But so, it is. It's a dance. And where did where did ambition come in for you? You know, the the ambition to be an attorney or to um, you know take on this the, the later career, you know, as an author and a coach. You know, somehow well, I never thought of it as ambition. I thought that I had a purpose. That it was my purpose, my life purpose. Why I wanted to be to to be a lawyer. When you think about some of the lawyers out there that are, you know, are into making a difference in the world, Gandhi was a lawyer. Nelson Mandela was a lawyer. And they're just incredible, the, all the lawyers in the civil rights movements. I wanted to be one of those lawyers that made a difference in the world. So ambition was not a word in my vocabulary. What it was was my, I was my purpose for being, was to make a difference. My family were doctors and dentists. And I came from that background of that's what we're here to do is to make a difference in the world. So, so, so ambition never really, it was finding purpose. And, and when you have purpose, it just takes you where you need to go. And, and ambition is not something that, you know, was something that really, like I say, it wasn't really a word in my vocabulary that I, I made reference to. Or you could say your ambition was to make a difference, to make a contribution. I don't know about that. But <laughs> <laughs> well, what I mean to say is that is that you you were brought up with the idea of uh, service and uh, contribution yeah. and making a difference, and that's yeah. a positive. It's a very pot. Not in a, It's not a self ambition about money and so on. It's an ambition right. to make a contribution. It's positive. Yeah, I mean, it's why are we? You know, what are we here for? And I think that's what everybody you know wonders at certain times of their life. And you know, why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? What what if you know what what am I here for? What am I in this planet for? So and maybe my question. Go ahead. Maybe my question was more about initiative to create something that reflects the purpose rather than an ambition, Mark, of uh-huh. of, of saying, "Okay, I want to make a difference." Right. Um, I don't have necessarily a picture of it. Right. Where do I, you know, and not necessarily for you in your story because it seems like um, initiative wasn't a problem lacking for you, but maybe in clients or something where it's like, okay, there is this potential. How do we get something moving? Well, I think the biggest thing is, is taking the first step. You've heard that expression, a journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. And that's mm-hmm. the hardest thing to do is taking that first step. Because when we take that first step, we want a blueprint, a picture of how it's going to be down the road. And we don't know. When I started this path that I'm on now, I didn't know where it was going to go. All I knew was that I, and, and I was ready. I, I was, the com- my comfort zone was my law practice. And I was willing to get out of my comfort zone, which also, by the way, back to the river, was getting out of the boat. Was getting out of the boat and exploring what it would be like swimming alongside the boat rather than staying in the boat, which, by the way, is the fifth principle of, of the navigating change. But I was willing to to get out of my comfort zone, to explore, and, and sometimes I talk about taking a leap of faith. But when you take that leap of faith, you have to take that step. And sometimes it's a big step. And, and, and sometimes it's taking that step not knowing. And that was a thing for me, was I took a step into the unknown. So you have to change your relationship to the unknown, which is uncertainty and it's scary for a lot of people. 
And, and I always say you have to you have to make friends with not knowing. Right. We say sometimes in the process that uh, it's a tell of the spiritual life is becoming more and more comfortable with the unknown, with yeah. the mystery. It is. And and you know people say things along the way that sometimes go over your head, and it's not too many many years later. <laughs> start to get what, what what that person meant. You're sitting back, you're reflecting on your life, and you go, whoa, that's what they meant, and you finally get it. I've had that experience with Raz many times. <laughs> <laughs> so have I. <laughs> and I'm still waiting to get some of it, Raz. <laughs> yeah, you're, very, you're very kind. I know you, you mean that I'm uh, obtuse and confusing. but uh, and Brilliant. <laughs> um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, Mark, is that you know, life, I think you mentioned earlier that we all want to have a blueprint. We want to have prediction. We want to have certainty about our life. And yet, it seems that now more than ever, the only thing that's certain is uncertainty, that, that nobody can make predictions about the future. Whatever predictions people make, just everything else but that seems to happen. And and so we can count on change. Change is the constant. And so what I got from reading your book um, some time ago is that you've discovered a way to be on the positive side of change because change always does have a positive side to it. And uh, I think that's what your book about is about. Would you, would you agree or comment on that? Absolutely. There, and, and that's why I came up with these eight principles that allow you, enable you to get on the positive side of change, to help you navigate the swifter currents of life, to, to help you swim in the deeper waters. So that you start to look forward as these cha- to this change as, as a possibility, as an opportunity, as an adventure, rather than something to, to avoid like the plague. Yeah, and I just want to comment again. Um, you talked about your childhood and you're losing your father and being sent to military school and almost uh, drowning that time in the river. But I also know that as an adult, um, uh, you, and your, you and your wife have three wonderful kids but you also lost a child somewhere along the line so killed in a tragic accident and so i know that uh, i know you well enough to say that uh, your principles have been tested very very strongly and um that your wisdom didn't come you didn't come come by your wisdom by reading books you came came by it the hard way it's true, and, and that was that was you know one of the most difficult moments of my life, and um, but you know I I think I learned about gratitude because somebody said to me I can't imagine anything worse happening, and I said I could, and I said it would be that my whole family was killed in an accident, and I was grateful. And I was grateful that my that that my other kids were fine, and I also was grateful that that we had another child, you know. And and so I, no matter what happens, there's there's that there's something to be grateful for. And and I think when we can really reflect on that, it just changes our attitude because what gratitude does it changes it shifts your focus from what isn't working to what is working, from what you don't have to what you have. And I realized, wow, I, I was so grateful that I had these kids because that was something that I always wanted was to have a family. 
Yeah, you know, as, as I'm listening to you, Mark, um, one of the things that I notice is that a lot of times people want to do positive thinking and overcome negativity by by having positive thoughts. And what you're saying here is not that at all, but rather by stepping into gratitude, what is real emerges and that what's real, the grat- your gratitude and your connection to life is stronger than than anything and it gives you the I don't know the the equilibrium it starts to build your equilibrium back something like that is what I'm getting from you yeah I mean I think that's a great way of saying it and and I uh, and I meant this was you know over 20 years ago and and that's when I really I even said that I said I'm I'm grateful that my whole family so it's in court when I went to court you know I'm grateful that my whole family wasn't killed Hmm. you know and um I mean, things happen all the time, but the, the gratitude is you just you just start to start to look. I'm grateful for my life. I'm grateful for every moment, and I I look at what I'm grateful for every day. After I meditate, I start to you know I'm inward and I start to reflect on 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 you know what I'm grateful for. You know, and I you did bring up positive thinking, and I used to work a lot with affirmations in in the you know late 70s, early 80s, and in the 90s, I worked a lot with affirmations in my own uh, practice, but a lot around manifesting what it is that I wanted. So there was this idea that if I worked on affirmations, I would be able to create the life that I wanted, Yeah, and it would lead to that, and that's why I did it. All right? And that's why a lot of most people did. That was the attraction. You, know, you work on affirmations, you will get A, B, and C. But what happened was once I, I I got into this what I do now and I and I got on this path and you know starting with the year 2000 and I and I started to instead of working with affirmations I started to integrate gratitude in, into my life and, and realized that that for all the reasons I said before it's just such a powerful spiritual practice and and it and the other thing it makes you feel good when you're grateful you have you, you feel good and, and they've done there's been a lot of research now on the benefits of, of gratitude with, at a uh, heart math down in boulder creek at uc davis they've done a lot of research now and they've they've discovered that that people that are grateful are happier and they just they have lower blood pressure and and they're they're just healthier and they and there's more and more research now along those lines but the other thing was the irony is that that you know focusing on on gratitude i didn't just start to focus on my health and the abundance of my life and 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 all that stuff that we learned to do that spiritually is something good to do but i started to realize that we can use gratitude to start to mold to create the direction of the life we want so we can start to use gratitude to start to focus on the qualities and the characteristics that we want more of in our life. So, for example, with this uncertainty, what we really need with all of this uncertainty also is inner strength. Wouldn't you agree? What we need to create more of is inner strength. Sounds so good when to me. Start, I, I, hmm? find that, I find that when we have resilience, resilience and inner strength are very similar. Um, Mark, we're just trying to go to a break. We'll be right back. And, Ed, do you want to say anything about the break? 
Nope. I think that'll, that'll do it other than um, maybe remind people that this afternoon at 5 o'clock Pacific time and every Tuesday afternoon at 5, we've got the introduction call. It's a free confidential call for people who are interested in learning more about the Hoffman Institute and the Hoffman process, all of our courses. You can find out information about that, the call-in numbers, etc., and about Raz and me and the radio show and all of the organization, the Hoffman Institute Foundation, at hoffmaninstitute.org. And we will be right back with this week's guest, Mark Susnow, right after this. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you looking for more joy, satisfaction, and love in your life? The Hoffman Process can give you the foundation and tools you need to create your ideal future. Celebrating 45 years as the premier personal growth program, the Hoffman Process has helped over 80,000 people worldwide discover answers and guidance to help them find their best life ever. Visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org for more information. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Again, visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Are your unconscious patterns holding you back from a life you truly love? For 45 years, the Hoffman Process has helped people reclaim their ability to find love, forgiveness, and their true purpose in life. According to a University of California Davis study, Hoffman Process participants significantly increased their joy, satisfaction, and emotional intelligence on a sustained and lasting basis. For more information, visit us at hoffmaninstitute.org. The Hoffman Process, when you're serious about change. Visit hoffmaninstitute.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Hoffman Connection. To reach Raz and Grossi, Ed McClune, or this week's guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to radio at hoffmaninstitute.org. Now, back to our program. Hello, this is Raz and Grossi. I'm here with our co-host, Ed McClune. We're talking with Mark Susnow, author of Dancing on the River, Navigating Life's Changes, and Mark has been talking about the principles of being on the river of life and uh, the getting into the swifter, deeper currents and how you, uh, how you stay centered, how you get yourself into the center, how you survive it, how you have a good time with it. And, Mark, I wanted to ask you a question. You know, we, we kind of all have this, uh, this sense that there are executives at the top of big corporations, and they're pulling all the shots, they're calling all the shots, and they're really in charge of what's happening. And uh, I want to ask you, as, a, as an executive coach, what are some of the bigger problems these these uh, men and women are facing, and uh, how in charge are they really? 
and people expect them to know everything, to be highly functional, and they're just people. Executives are people. Leaders are just people. And so the principles that I've been talking about, about being on the river, is for everybody. It's for executives. It's, it's for leaders. It's for people in government. Is we have to really know ourselves and and learn to handle stress so that we make better decisions. Because I think what happens is if we don't have that center, then our decisions are made out of fear. And they're not, they're not thought out. And when we have that center, when I, when I was a trial lawyer, I had to make a lot of decisions. And if I didn't have my center, the decisions I made wouldn't be effective. And, and when you have that center as an executive, you make better decisions and you start to develop this ability to think outside the box. And also you start, you start to learn how to work with other people. And a lot of executives don't know how to work with other people. You start to reach out. You start to expand your circle. And that's what a lot of executives don't know how to do. Because, again, it's just, they're, they're just like doctors. They're people. Everybody's just a person. And a lot of these life skills, which perhaps they've been avoiding to, to help them advance in their career through knowledge, they're missing a lot of these life skills that help them navigate these, these swifter currents, and their life could be a lot easier. And instead what happens is they're overworked, they have health issues, they have relationship issues, and they find that down the road they start to question whether it's worth it. Because a yeah. lot of executives I work with, their, 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 their health habits are, 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 are not very good. And, and, and they have conflict with co-workers. People uh, are not taught how to, how to interact, how to have in a conversation that, that is, is humane. And they, people go behind people's backs. So I think that the biggest challenge executives have to, is, is that they, don't, they haven't really learned how to, how to interact with other people and, and to take care of themselves. And sometimes so really, you have to have, have the ability to say no. Yeah, and so tell us about a couple of things here. Saying no, uh, in, in terms of setting boundaries that can bring you into a, a greater experience of life. I mean, what is the place of, of, of no? Well, you have you have first of all that word no is loaded, and <laughs> you you have to at some point say no. I'm not going to do this, and a lot of people are are afraid of saying no because of the fear of confrontation. And they don't and they don't want to disappoint somebody else. So if somebody says, "Hey, could you get this project done by by uh, Monday?" A lot of times you will do that at the sacrifice of let's say your your um, personal life. And at some point you have to separate, you have to create a boundary between your life, your personal life and your professional life. You just have to do that. You have to make a decision. And I think that we, I know I had a defining moment in my life as an, a young lawyer when I, I had a trip plan. And it was my first trip after law school out of the country. And this client wanted me to change my trip and not go so I could work on his case. And I said, I'm not going to do that. And he said, well, if you don't do that, then I'm going to get another lawyer. And, and at that time, I was struggling financially. 
And I made the decision that I was still going to go on the trip. And I told him I was going to go on the trip. He said, well, I'm getting another lawyer. When I came back, I had three new clients waiting for me. So that was trusting the universe that you have to have that boundary. Otherwise, you're never going to have it. And, and your work is going to run your life. And you're not going to be in charge of your life. And that's the biggest problem executives have is that they're not in charge of their life. So you were, they're always you were, trying to, to do something else. Right. And you were um, not you were, at the same time you were saying no to that client, you were saying yes to your life. Exactly. Yeah. So when you say no, when you say, if, if you say yes to the other, it works the other way, too. If you say yes to your responsibilities, let's say, as a professional, and, and a lot of time today responsibilities seem to never end, you're saying no to yourself. No to what really matters. No to the person inside of you, to that soul that needs to be expressed. So it's having boundaries. It's learning to say no, which leads to better health, better boundaries, and and a more effective organization. Because if you're a leader, if you're happy as a leader, if you're inspired and you're energetic, it's going to be better morale. So, Mark, you talked earlier about finding the center in yourself. You talked yeah. about meditation and so on. Um, how do you keep your energy level peak? How do you, how, how do you meet every day uh, with strength and resilience? And uh, I want to ask you about the how you call, you, met, you mentioned earlier about eating well and exercising. But what's that mean for you? And how long have you been on that path? Okay. Well, I've always been very athletic, and as a kid, I mean, I, I've, I've always played you know lots of sports. And what and I and I think the first real lesson I got was in my early 20s, I used to play handball in San Francisco. And I could, beat any, I could beat almost anybody in handball there, except for one guy, this guy Bud Dylan. And I mentioned him in my book. And Bud was a mentor to me. And I would play with Bud, and, and he'd always beat me, and I couldn't figure out how he could beat me because he was a lot older. And I said, Bud, how old are you? And he said, I'm 62. And I couldn't believe it, that this guy was quicker than I was. And we talked a lot about age, and he says, you know, age is just a number that people place too much importance on. And every day, Bud would exercise, and he'd eat well, and he taught me about nutrition. And so Bud was my role model, and I think it's important to have role models that my uncle, he ex he's, he's 92, he exercises every day. And I like to exercise, and what happens is people all too often don't pay much attention to their body until they have pain. And then they go to a doctor, and the doctor says, well, you got this problem, and, or, or something like that. And, and what they don't realize is the body can be a source of pleasure. And as you give it more attention, as you nurture it. So I've always been into to yoga. I've been into yoga, oh, God, since I've been in my 20s and and I and now I you know I play tennis two three times a week and I um, I like to mountain bike and I just find that when I'm doing these things it gives me a certain exhilaration so my energy is up and and actually before I was going to be on the show today I I got on my rebounder for 20 minutes to kind of get my energy up because I realized that when my energy's up I feel better I have a bigger smile fantastic. <laughs> 
So when you did the Hoffman process, and uh, we have our model of the human being, you know, four different uh, aspects of the, quad- of the quadrinity of the whole self, I guess that sort of fit right in with your spiritual practice, your physical practice. Certainly you're, you have a strong intellect uh, working as a trial lawyer and so on. You're really smart. And uh, what did you pick up on the emotional level? Anything new there? Well, I think what I when I did the process, what I what I think I did was get I got in touch with with my father because I, you know, my my father was I was six when my father died. He was in the military, and I only had two or three memories of my father. It was, it was a void in my life, and 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 you know, some people have a sense of what what their their mother's like or their father. And I didn't even have that. And I think when I did the process, it it helped me fill a void in my life, and it gave me an understanding that that I that I didn't have. And it helped me in my own relationship as a parent, because I have three kids, and to learn how they're all different. And to as I was became more connected with that void of my life, I was able to be more healed with my kids, and and to to I think be a better parent. Although I'm I'm working on that still. I mean, it's something I think we always we are we're always doing. We're always working on how we can you know be a better parent and 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 to be more loving and more understanding. What are the if you could leave people with uh, something that would I don't know inspire them or a guidepost for them along the way? What do you think is really important for us to embrace today? Okay. Well, I'm glad you asked me that because there was. One thing in the morning that I do that we hadn't talked about, uh-huh. and I think this is a perfect lead-in, is, is you know, I, I think the most important thing we can do is start our day finding that center with meditation and gratitude. But the, the, there's a third component, and, and it's where curiosity comes in. And I always ask myself the question in the morning is, I wonder what the highlight of my day is going to be. And I encourage everybody. Start your day with that question. Wonder about what the highlight. Ask yourself, I wonder what the highlight of my day is going to be. So you're curious as, 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 as your day goes on. You're curious about, I wonder if this moment's a highlight. So that you, so you're really looking for the good rather than what's going to go wrong. And it's an amazing practice. And I think if there's one thing that I've done in these last 10, 12 years since I've, you know, been doing this work is asking myself that question. Because every day I'm curious. I'm curious about what it's going to be. And you could take any particular thing you're doing and you, you, you can say, I wonder what the highlight's going to be of this particular experience. It could be a meeting, a business meeting that you're avoiding. And you could ask yourself, I wonder what the highlight of this meeting is going to be. Or let's say there's several people involved. You, you could start to ask these empowering questions. I wonder who I'm going to have the best connection with. So I would just say to people, you know, to, the, to your listeners, is every day wonder about what the highlight of your day is going to be. And, and so at the end of the day, maybe there, you don't even know. There could be two or three great things that, that were the highlight, and you can't decide. And that's if we can get to that place, then there's, each day is going to be much more joyful. Well, I think our society, certainly the news media, is focused on the negative, and I know that, you know, um, I get fearful. I 
I, uh, one time a friend of mine said, Hey, you're awfulizing on that. And I, and I could see what he meant. You know, I was going off on a, uh, projecting out into the future and thinking of what could go wrong. And it's a, it's an amazing thing instead of trying to be protective and worry about what can go wrong to wonder about what's, what's the best part of it. What's going to, what's the, what's the, being curious about how good life can be. It's it's just a great it's a it's a great question it's a great reframe and 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 again it's just one of those things that that makes each day more exciting so that life does seem like this exciting journey of discovery so that each day you get to to find that that enthusiasm that spark and um, it's 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 such an important thing to do that we don't realize how little things like that can make a big difference in our lives. And so what I encourage everybody to do is to try it for, let's say, for, a, for 30 days, every day. Start, take, take five minutes with meditation. Take a few seconds with gratitude and a few seconds for, for wondering about your highlight of your day. See if you notice anything. See what happens. Wonderful. And you're still doing these, these practices every day. Every day. Every day. And you know what happens when you do? You find that you laugh more, you smile more, and it ju- it just it's just a natural result of 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 this inner work. You know, you, you just you do you smile more. That's good. We all can use more smiles, more optimism, more love, more connectivity with ourselves and other people. And Mark, your um, your guidance here has just been invaluable. To doing that and, and encouraging people to to really not just I mean obviously doing something like the Hoffman process is a is a powerful uh, life changer, but it's a life is an everyday thing and we have to we have to practice it to get good at it. And I think that's what you're saying. Absolutely, find the right practices. Um, what do you think is the biggest challenge in our society today um, that we as individuals face, or maybe even as a society? Well, I think we, I think, I think that as a society, we we get sucked into the negative, mm-hmm. and we create this this um, doomsday scenario, and that we don't we lose hope, and we give up. And I remember years ago, I um, I used to be a poet, <laughs> and there was a line of a poem that I wrote. I forget when this was. It was probably, I don't know, in the 70s or 80s. I said, should there be a day when the visionaries of peace stop loving? Then the prophets of doom will have their day of gloom. So we have to keep loving, keep our hearts open, and not give up. Because if we give up, then then there's no hope. And, and so we, we want to... You know, keep 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 that dream alive. Keep that that spark, that inner thing that that we want for our lives, and and that possibility. Think about that possibility for our lives that maybe we've given up on. And I hope you know by being on your show, I've maybe have awakened that that hope, that spark, that that dream that you used to have, so that you can keep it alive and and something that that makes you feel alive. So you come alive. And you're excited about your life again. Wonderful. That sounds like a, a great place to uh, to finish the show. That really sums up your message, Mark, quite well, I think. Well, thank you. 
Uh, it's been really great having you here and Mark Snusnow. Um, amongst many things, gosh, your resume is so long, is the author of Dancing on the River, Navigating's Life Changes. Available Thanks. on Amazon, is that right, Mark? Yes, it's available Thanks. on Amazon and, and through my website at inspirepossibility.com. Okay, that website is a good one, inspirepossibility.com. I'm going to go and, with that. Uh, Dancing on the River, Mark Susnow. Thank you so much, Mark. Well, thank you for having me. And, Raz, uh, next week, John Leland, is that right? Yeah, John Leland's going to be with us. John Leland is also a thought leader in a, in a little different field. Um, John has been involved with the digital revolution before there was one. Uh, he's <laughs> been uh, – uh, he's a master of, of media and uh, film, video, you name it, radio, television, he has been in all of them, and he has a lot to tell us about how media is changing our society, how it's changing us, how it's affecting the way we learn, how we interact with each other, and how to make the most of social media for yourself and uh, and the you know evolution of, of, of life as we know it. So um, John, next week with John Leland, who's a fantastic speaker, and uh, he's got a lot, of, a lot of good stuff for all of us. Great. Well, we'll... You and I will be back here for that. And we also want to let people know to uh, please check out our website, hoffmaninstitute.org, for all the information about the work of the Hoffman Institute Foundation. And also there you can get information about our weekly introductory call every Tuesday afternoon, 5 o'clock Pacific time. It's confidential. You can ask any questions about our work, and we'll be able to support you in any way we can. Anyway, thanks, Raz. It's been great being here with you. I'll be back next week Hoffman Connection Thank you again for being a part of the Hoffman Connection Please join your hosts, Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon, again next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, make it an outstanding week.